everybody, and welcome to another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm the Bishop of the Burn, Nick, and with me as always... Oh, it's Gator. And we have a special guest with us today. We have Nick Malillo. He is the owner of Foundation Cigars. How are you, Nick? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for coming Looking on. forward to this. Yeah. Our paths have crossed a couple of different times. You were in St. Louis back in, I think it was, what, November? Over there at JR yep. Cigars in Clayton, and, and we yeah. met, met briefly there, and then... Uh, was that the first time we met? That was the first time we met. Um, I saw that you were coming into town, and I swung by, and I box of, uh, bought a box of uh, the uh, Charter Oak, Connecticut, the, the nice. 60s. and nice. um, the yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, from there, um, you and I, we crossed paths again at TPE, and That's right. that was That's a great right. show and everything, and we've just been kind of playing messaging back and forth and, and trying to get you on the show, and here we are. Now I'm assuming I'm assuming that since Nick said that he's looking forward to being on the podcast, he hasn't actually listened to what we do because you know he might rethink that. You know I haven't. <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest. I've checked out your your, your Instagram and your uh, and your um, your web page, but I can't say that I. Oh, the web page is so. horribly out of date. Yeah. yeah, we need to work on the web page, <laughs> and by uh, us, I mean Nick. So I have no idea what I'm in, in for right now, actually. Is that, Zero. Is, that, is a, that what you're telling me? It's a lot of ignorance. It's a clean slate. I like that. It's a lot of ignorance. This is good. It's like, <laughs> it's like a newborn baby. <laughs> oh, that we can corrupt. Well, cool. You so, know, I should, I should check out uh, you know, more. It's just I'm always I'm juggling so much, man. Dude, you're, um, out, you're out there so, getting it done. Man, it's, uh, I, I thought starting my own business would be a lot of work. And I didn't realize just how much work it would be. <laughs> We're Nick and I are both uh, journalists. We own newspapers, and trust me, we get it. So, oh, really? Yeah. I'd no. like to learn more about that. No, we can talk more yeah, about we can. that. So, but first, let's talk about the cigar that we're going to be smoking today. Absolutely. So Jeff and I both have the Tabernacle Broadleaf Toro. It's the uh, Toro size, so it's 6x52, featuring a USA Connecticut broadleaf wrapper in a Maduro color, Mexican San Andreas binder, and a filler made of Honduran and Nicaraguan tobaccos. I love the band. It's a, it's Thanks, a black man. and white yeah. image. Now, is that, a, uh, is that a priest? So that is the, the last emperor of Ethiopia called Haile Selassie. Ah. So Haile Selassie... Um, yeah, the Ethiopian Empire is actually one of the oldest Christian empires on the planet before 1974. So it's kind of an interesting long history. I thought, you know, when I was growing up, all I knew about Ethiopia was starvation and famine. Yep. And uh, little did I know as I looked into it, if you go back before 1974, you have 3,000 years of a lineage that actually they claim to go back to Solomon and Sheba. Um, so they actually pos- claim to possess the Ark of the Covenant. I, I have so actually hence, heard that, yes. Yeah, so there's a lot of, um, yeah, there's an old you know story about the Ark being taken to Ethiopia by one of Solomon's sons called Menelik, which means son of the wise man. Yep. So um, hence, I just always loved the imagery um, and wanted to use that that image comes from an old photo from 1930 when he was crowned king so um you know them claiming to possess the ark of the covenant which is you know the tabernacle rests with the ark of the covenant rests within the tabernacle so i thought it was a good good kind of imagery and when we had that image on the computer 
you know, uh, my art director and I looked at it, and it looked all right. But when they printed that band out, I mean, it came out better than I could have ever hoped. Um, oh yeah, just the, the gold embossing and oh yeah, that um, gold pops like really, yeah. really hard against the uh, the black and white. And well, gray. This, this is a perfect cigar for the cigar pulpit. It's true. Yeah. See, <laughs> see, I like that. Yeah, it is. I'm actually smoking the Tabernacle, the um, the 142. So this is the Cuban seed. Um, tabernacle that i make that we grow here in connecticut um whereas the one you're smoking is the broadleaf very cool very Good cool. deal yeah. well why don't we go ahead and get into the cut and the cut is brought to you by is it riverman riverman cigar yes. company of crestwood missouri dan nice. over at riverman cigar company he's back he's yes. allowing people to sit outside and enjoy cigars out front he's got a nice 1500 square foot uh seating area out there covered and then he's been talking with the uh, the folks in charge about getting some folks back into the lounge again. Um, I know he's been doing a lot of cleaning, getting that all ready. And so you can swing on by Dan over at Riverman. They've got cigars of every variety from $3 to $100, something for everybody. So swing on by Dan over at Riverman. And you know what they just got in? Oh, I know what they just got in. They just got in Martinez Cigars. They did just get in Martinez Cigars. First location in St. Louis, Missouri to carry Martinez Cigars. And as everybody who follows this show knows, we love Martinez Cigars. So we do. swing on by. I know Dan's got some uh, flat irons and some 45s and some Don Antonio's. So he's setting ready for... For everybody to come in and try them. Full disclosure, I went over on Saturday to get the 45s because they were supposed to be shipped in that day, and they don't get deliveries on Saturday. But they have them now. They've got them now, so i got to get back over. There you go. I'm all excited. So with that, it's time that we go ahead and cut the cigar. So I'm going to go ahead and get this guy going. Using your V? I am using the V cutter, yes. I'm actually going with the perfect cut from Riverman. Look at you. I really like this. There's there's no chance of taking off too much. It's like training wheels. Just the tip. It's just very to appropriate see how it feels. for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very appropriate for you. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Alright, this is your time to be ignorant. So so why, we why normally do we preface we, we, it that way. Because we normally do the cold draw. Okay. But, but this is where you get into your whole bit. So, Nick, so, I have patented. He's going to introduce you to his ignorance here. The Gator Cold Retro Hail. Yes. We do a cold draw, then we do a cold retro hail. Have you ever tried that? The cold draw and the retro hail? A cold retro hail. You know, I, I kind of do. Um, oh, no. There the, you go. You know, the, the nose is very important. Oh, my God. In this, in this whole process. So You you um, just became my new best friend. But there's no smoke to retro. No, it's not the smoke. It's the olfactory senses picking up the notes. It, yeah. See? Yeah, try it. Try it. Are, right. Wait, are you arguing with Nick? I, I'm just saying that... <laughs> Come on, Nick. What are you doing? No it's so confusing. I'm, I'm Nick squared today, <laughs> by the way. It's Nick arguing with Nick. <laughs> I'm just saying that I don't want to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I get that a lot. Are you of, sure you haven't yeah, listened? That's kind of exactly it. <laughs> that's all I'm saying, Gator. Oh, that's great. You know, the, to me, again, the, 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 the old factory... Um, you know, and the palette is is two sides of a coin for me. So, yep. Um, I definitely have learned tobacco over the years, um, and the old factory and the nose is a big part of 
of really getting to know tobacco more. You know, your, your palate has four to 6,000 flavor receptors on your palate, and you're basically getting the five major flavors. What is it? The uh, sweet, salty, bitter, sour, savory. Yep. Okay. Everything else is really coming from the millions of receptors you have in your olfactory. So your vanillas, your chocolates, your, you know, all of those more specific flavors actually are coming from up here. Even in, you know, when you're eating food or, you know, they're, they're really one unit when it comes to what we talk about as taste hmm. or flavor. So Interesting. I think yeah, that is the so, strongest argument for my patented cold retrohale that I've ever heard. All right. Well, so what are you getting <laughs> on your cold retrohale? Okay. So on the cold draw, I'm picking up a little sweetness. How about you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems I like loved, I, I, know. I love your mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't believe I gotta it's agree like, with you. Ah, God, it, no! Welcome to my world. <laughs> uh, you know, and and you'll get you'll get a lot of that, especially coming from the broadleaf. Okay. Um, that's one of the reasons why broadleaf is so special. You know, uh, it's just got this tremendous sweetness um, to it—natural sweetness, earthiness. Um, from the beginning stages, you know, from the tobacco coming in the curing barns through the, excuse me, the whole process. Um, it's almost, the, the cold retro is almost a peach blossom. It's almost a what? A peach blossom. It's All got right. that, it's got that oh, yeah. smell of like a, like an, a peach orchard when it's blossoming. Mm. Mm. I love Gator's descriptions. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just wait until he starts talking about how it has rich notes of chiclets and cantaloupe. <laughs> Oh, snap. Oh, chiclets. If he starts talking chiclets, I might have to leave. By the way, by the way, I didn't realize you were a giant because that is the smallest coffee cup I've ever seen. Oh, my God. You know, I, it's funny. I made coffee this morning. These are my little espresso cups. Those are awesome. And I just put it in the microwave before because I had heated up. I had an, uh, some extra in my pot, so I said, well, I'm not going to get a big cup. There's only a tiny bit left. And then I put it in the microwave for too long, and it all over-boiled and uh, splattered all over the microwave. Uh, so. <laughs> that's yeah. Good. So how did you guys come up with the name Cigar Pulpit? <laughs> there you go, Nick. Take it over. Boy, I'll tell you, it's a really bizarre thing. and And so the long and short of it is, we we're stupid and we have we were doing we have too much time on pretty our much hands. we were yeah. we were doing like some bits with characters and one of the characters was um pastor barnaby rothschild pastor barnaby rothschild of the church of the holy perdomo <laughs> why perdomo it just it, it was what it was it just rolled it flowed, it flowed. Yeah. and yeah. so you know we'd have this this Kind of Southern Baptist televangelist mixed with Frank Underwood that was all, hello, my brothers and sisters in smoke. It is I, Pastor Barnaby Rothschild. You know, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's talking about, ironically enough, one of the bits that we do with him is, <laughs> you were talking about the Ark of the Covenant earlier, and one of the bits that we do with him is we talk about how they, did you know that the Ark of the Covenant was really God's holy humidor where he stored only his best smokes, you know, and that kind of thing? <laughs> That's hilarious, because yeah. that's why I named the cigar the Tabernacle, because my humidor was my holy humidor. Oh. There you go. Oh, my gosh. I'm serious. That's how, that's how I made the connection. Because he has, I was like, the Tabernacle is 
I'll yeah. send I'll send you a link to this one he episode has that we the did. Other half of our amulet. There you go. So <laughs> yeah. So that's anyway, a, that's a true story, man. So oh, we, that's awesome. So we did this this thing, and like we were trying to come up with a name, and you know everybody's you know the uh, uh, cigar talk, the retro hail, the straight cut, you know all these different like specific cigar terms and everything, and so. Jeff just kind of came up with Cigar Pulpit, and he's like, you know, we're getting up at the pulpit, and we're preach- preaching the good word of the cigars. Exactly. I and love it. So here we I are. I love it. So. That's cool. Yeah. Nice, so. man. You know, cool. it's, you, so, we've referenced the Ark of the Covenant a couple of times, so now's where I get to be stupid. Oh, God. Um, I love I watching. Have you, have you ever watched Josh Gates? I don't even know what channel he's no. on. Oh, no. Okay, so he's this explorer guy, and he goes all over the world and does all this exploration, and he's always looking for... You know, buried treasure, trying to uncover mysteries, you know, things like that. He's actually a pretty cool cat. And uh, he, uh, one of his episodes, he actually went looking for the Ark of the Covenant and went to the church in Ethiopia where the Ark is supposed to be held. I think I've seen this one. Does he wear, like, the Indiana Jones hat and everything? Yes, that's him. That's Josh. And he actually yep, got, to meet, he got to meet the high priest that is there overseeing this. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said it was very rare. The guy came out, actually spoke with him for a couple of minutes, and then went back in. But like he never, he never comes out of the building. He only walks around in this little courtyard, and that's what he did. And he came up to the fence and talked to him. Okay, then. Yeah. So, so they, they they claim to possess it in a church in a town called Oxum in in the highlands of Ethiopia called uh, Saint Mary's of Zion. So there's one priest that he, that he met that you're talking about that guards the ark. His whole life, so he never leaves the church. He never leaves the ground. His whole life, um, and then appoints another person to guard it upon his deathbed. Wow. So this is they say has been going on for you know thousands of thousands of years, which is very pretty cool. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know yeah, if you, I don't know if yeah. you caught this, but Nick tried a uh, retro hail while you were talking. I did. I did. Yeah. How was it? You know, it's tough. If you're not accustomed to retrohaling, it is, you know, your olfactory is not accustomed to it. So it's something that definitely needs to be done over time. Um, generally, what I do is, I mean, I'm, I'm taking in about three quarters of the smoke. Yeah. And then I'll be, I'll be retrohaling maybe the last quarter. Yeah. Um, yeah I tried letting so some out and all that, but you've got, so you've got some, uh, there is some spice to this. Yeah, and, and it's not a pepper. It's more spicy than peppery. Yeah. 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 So if yeah, if you're not used to retrohaling and then you retrohale, there's gonna be a tremendous amount of spice. The the problem comparatively. The yeah. problem yeah. is, Nick, yeah. our guest, is that we retrohale on every episode and he still coughs. I still cough. <laughs> yeah. And it happens. I, I'm sensitive, so you know tender. Sometimes you you know, everybody's different. Everybody's different. Everybody's different. It's a good stick. I like it. It's smoking great, and the construction, I mean, the burn line on this thing is, like, razor sharp. Oh, yeah. So. Is, it, is that your first time, guys, smoking the Tabernacle? I I know I've had some of your other cigars. I don't know if yeah. I've had, I have not specifically had the Tabernacle, the tabernacle yeah. Broadleaf. Yeah. That's yeah. definitely more of a fuller-bodied blend. The, the blend. Yeah. Has a lot more um, heavier priming tobaccos in the filler, so Vizos, Ligeros. Um, there's a little bit of Honduran in there because there's a specific farm that I really love just across the border from Nicaragua in the Hamastron Valley. 
Okay. And, um, you know, it's all real heavy tobaccos. So even the binder San Andreas, you have a San Andreas Negro binder. Um, and then the broadleaf, of course, is much, you know, heavier style wrapper tobacco. So the, the um, sweetness yeah. that I'm getting on this, what would you attribute? Which, which one of those tobaccos or is it a combination of those that's causing that? It's a combination, but mainly more the wrapper. So the broad, broadleaf, broadleaf mm-hmm. um, San Andreas has a little bit, but, but I would con- definitely the, the wrapper um, helps contribute to that. Yeah, it's definitely noticeable. So, Nick, let's, yeah. let's dive into you and your history a little bit. So how did, I like to always ask, how did you get into cigars? And then from there, you know, how did you end up? Because you, you've got a history. I mean, you, you, not only have you – I want to get into your travels – because like you're sure. known, you're known for traveling. I mean, sure. you've done like world travels and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I, uh, I traveled the globe. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. That, navigated. Yeah, and yeah. then and then yeah. you know, obviously, you know, you you got in with Drew Estate, and you're you're one of the uh, the uh, architects and of the the Liga and all that. But yeah. then obviously from there, you you've gone on to even you know more heights with with foundations. So how did you get into cigars? I got into cigars via my grandfather's, um, you know, being from Connecticut, Connecticut used to have a lot of cigar brands that were, um, made in Connecticut. So here where I'm at in New Haven, there used to be a number of cigar factories here in New Haven and Hartford. And of course you have the growing region North of Hartford. You have about 30,000 acres, um, North of Hartford, which is, really um, just perfect for growing cigar tobacco and, and has been um, before, you know, this, this country is even established. So at a, you know, at 18, I was just knew everything I could about cigars really at that time it was 96. Um, so it was the height of the cigar boom. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, uh, yeah. So, you know, you had this huge emergence of, cigar brands, cigar bars, cigar shops. Um, so I was just graduating high school and my brother and I would go to a shop called the Calabash shop in, in Connecticut. It had been there since the early seventies and we used to get our sticks for the weekend and smoke with my grandfather. And there used to be lines out the humidor, man. I mean, it was just at that time, it was just insane. I mean, Literally, you had lines waiting to get into the humidor. And this was a That's full walking humidor. You know, this was a traditional tobacconist, uh, full pipe bar, pipe tobacco uh, bar, uh, amazing pipe selection. So my dream was to work at a cigar shop, you know, at 18. What a cooler job to have. I was about to start university that fall. So I remember in, um, it must have been May, June, 96, I got up to the counter after waiting for a while and said to the ladies, listen, I would love to work for you. Here's my email. Here's my phone number. Um, I know every cigar in that humidor, all the prices, all the blends, would love to work for you. So I didn't hear from them for about two months. Um, I was working grounds crew at my university, cutting the lawns you know, just doing random jobs. And then a week before I started university, I got the call. Nice. And they uh, had figured out that my grandfather had been buying pipe tobacco there from one of the, the, uh, the, the beginning when they first opened the store. So they uh, hired me and put me in charge of the humidor. 
They really wow. um, put their full confidence in trust in me. And uh, right away, just I was in charge of bringing any new product into the, the humidors. They had just gotten back from the trade show that year and literally had two garbage bags full, full of samples um, <laughs> and said, here, try, you know. So, here, you know, this is like, for me at the time, it was like Mind dream blowing. come true. Yeah. yeah, this is amazing. Um, so I started working there. So probably about a year or two later, I met a sales rep from an unknown company called Drew Estate. Um, and they were pushing a cigar called Samara, which nobody nobody remembers, um, which was god-awful. And I, I didn't bring it into the shop, but the sales rep kept coming back. And was he was a local gentleman from Guilford. My grandmother's family was from the same town. So we sort of hit it off, and he, he always came back. And then they came out with a cigar called La Vieja Habana, which at the time was being made by Nick Perdomo. Um, okay. Completely different product. Yeah, so I brought that into the shop, and I think it has to be 98, roughly, um, in an event with John Drew. Um, for the, for the first time one Saturday and we just sort of hit it off and exchanged contact info. So that was like 97, 98 fast forward. I graduate school in 2000. Um, that's when my travels first started. I, I moved to Rome that, uh, when I graduated, I was working with the Vatican that year, um, because they, um, it was the grand Jubilee that year. So I was helping tourists from all over the world, and there was also World Youth Day. So I did that, and then I backpacked around Europe, did the whole backpacking thing, um, kind of toured around with Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers. I'm a huge reggae fan. <laughs> so I was doing that, and then came back to the States and started on my master's degree, and then never finished my master's degree because I got a job offer in Italy for an Italian Renaissance art history tour that a friend of mine from Dartmouth had started for high school kids in the States. So that was from May to September. So I took that job and then I said, there's no way I can go back to school. I mean, it's just, this is just too much. Uh, I, I can't sit in a classroom. So I bought an around the world ticket for $1,500 and I traveled from Italy to France, um, Lived in a Buddhist community at the time for a yeah. little while. Traveled to India, um, then to Thailand, then went to northern Thailand, down the Mekong River, into Laos, um, into Vietnam, Vietnam, China, China, Japan. So John was on my, John Drew was on my email list. So he was getting emails, and this is 2002. So there wasn't many people traveling to Nicaragua at the time. Nicaragua yeah. didn't have any cigar tourism. Didn't you know the the stigma of the word Nicaragua was very much still very powerful and had negative connotations for a lot of people. So I think when he saw these emails coming from you know me emerging from the the jungles of Thailand or you know coming from Vietnam, he said, "Oh, Nick will uh, Nick will come to Nicaragua." So I was in Japan, and he gave me a call and said um, – he actually sent me an email. It was one line. Call me. I obviously have some serious shit to talk to you about. <laughs> so I called him up, and he said, I want you to come down to Nicaragua and be my right-hand man. I want you to live down here. And, um, and uh, yeah, 
be, be my eyes on the ground. So I landed in the States after traveling around the world for almost a year and then was in the States for like three, four weeks and then flew down to Nicaragua in March of 2003 and really never left. I was going to say, um, and while you were down there, you really just soaked in that culture. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, there's a much – it's so different traveling through a place than living in a place. Yeah. Um, that became harder as time went on. I would say more past my third year. Like, at first, it was – you're just so excited, you know. Um, you know, I very much wanted to continue my travels before I got the job offer from John. My plan was to travel through Central America because my dream was to learn how to roll and bunch cigars. That was like – you know, just the next step in my, my love for cigars and having a travel bug. So the stars just sort of aligned and, you know, John invited me down and after a week, um, you know, I thought he was going to be staying there and he was after a week, he said, I got to go. And I said, what do you mean? Where are you going? He said, you'll figure it out. So um, I kind of jumped into the deep end. And, and you got to remember, DE at the time was a fraction of its size. Yeah, you know, we, were, we were pretty much known just for our infused products at that time because the infused products had totally taken off. I respected, though, you know, from working a cigar shop, again, your, your goal is to have something for every sort of palate that comes through that humidor. Um, and that's where they really changed the game. But... You know, I was a hardcore traditionalist, so I was a hardcore Padron, Fuente. Um, so I find myself here in Nicaragua, 24, and just then learning from all of these amazing cigar masters that I had only read about or learned about. Um, and here I am amongst them, now at the helm of, a, a, at the time, a really small factory. And uh, I started to learn really where a lot of these flavor profiles that I loved in cigars. Okay. Where are they coming from? What's, you know, the seed varieties, the farms, the different countries of origin. So this took of course a lot, you know, time, but, um, I was just ready to prove myself and, you know, really put, put, put my international business degree, which I studied in school and my love for cigars. It was like, all right, now's the time to, you know, put everything into action and prove, prove yourself with, uh, real real life action so man yeah i just nestled <laughs> in and uh yeah eventually i became the head of um all the tobacco purchasing all the blending um all everything having to do with the production in nicaragua so very cool yeah very yeah cool. man so you're with drew estates for a while where how do, how does your path take you from drew estates to now foundation so by 2014, you know, we had become the largest factory in Nicaragua. So I was in charge of about 100,000 handmade cigars a day. You know, it was, it was an amazing time and amazing experience. And I knew this FDA business was coming down the line. Yeah. So that was like... That was the, t you know, it took me a couple of years just to even make the decision because the whole team there in Nicaragua had become like my family. You yeah. know, this is a place as a foreigner living, um, living abroad, you know, you, 
you work with with people it's they become your family because even when you're out out of work you know i didn't know anybody so you form a real camaraderie and um friendship so that was tough so i i toiled over it for a couple of years and then i said if i don't start a company now you know i'm probably never going to be able to start a company because of all this legis all this fda stuff um so um i i finally spread my wings in in um, May 2014 and said, let me give it a go. You know, let me start my own company. I kind of felt, you know, I had come to a point where I had a unique experience learning tobacco and the production and the blending side that if I failed with my own company, you know, I I would be valuable on the job market. Precisely. You know, because it's not a market necessarily where a 21-year-old is going to come and you know, take your job. It's, uh, experience goes a long way. So I launched actually, um, five years ago, actually today, uh, I launched, yeah. Foundation was announced and we launched at the trade show, um, that summer and started shipping for the first time in September of 2015. Very cool. Well, happy anniversary then. Thanks man. Yeah. So, so, and you're, and you're spending it with Nick and Gator. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, you you might want to rethink your choices. <laughs> so, so tell uh, for our listeners that maybe aren't as familiar with your line, uh, why don't we go through what what yeah, foundation and your cigars and what all it encompasses? So, you know, my first, I, I started. Five years ago with one brand, uh, which I launched with, which was called Way Wednesday. Um, Way Wednesday, I knew, you know, having lived in Nicaragua for so long, I really wanted to display my love for Nicaraguan tobacco. So I wanted to come out with a 100% Nicaraguan blend, filler, binder, and wrapper. So I knew I wanted to start there because I had never really blended anything in the past that came to market that was 100% Nicaraguan. So um, Way Wednesday for me was a tough, it's a mouthful as far as, you know, for people living outside of Nicaragua. But Way Wednesday is actually the heart and soul of Nicaraguan culture. It's actually recognized by UNESCO as a cultural heritage treasure of the world. So it's an old dance that's existed in Nicaragua since the late 1500s. Um, and Wei Wednesday in English means the wise man. So okay. um, Wei Wednesday is not even a Spanish word. It's actually indigenous to Nicaragua. Um, so, you know, my art director is from the north of Nicaragua, from Esteli. He's been a good friend of mine since 2003. Um, so I, I went to him with the idea and, you know, for me starting my own company, my previous company, I didn't work on the branding or any of anything that had to do with sort of branding or sales and distribution. So it was really exciting for me to not only blend the cigars, but now to complement those blends with things that I love, you know, get into the creative side of things. Yeah. 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 That's been really fun. Um, you know, to complement these blends with art and images that I love was just, you know, really fun. So we started with the preliminary designs and my art director hand drew, um, you know, the band and the Vista and it just came out really, really great. 
And, you know, when Wentz say five years ago, not many people still, you know, not many people know my story or my experience. And so we were kind of targeting the hardcore guys, um, you know, that were really into cigars and also the shops that had knew my experience. Um, so we started off, you know, really small and just with the one brand and, uh, it was an honor that year to get, uh, we got the number one consensus cigar, um, that year amongst all the online guys. And, um, we also ended up getting a place in cigar aficionados top 25 wow. for the way Wednesday, which is great. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I started to expand the line. I added a Maduro, the, the uh, Wiseman Maduro. So, um, you know, my, my creative side took me on the first project, calling it Well Wednesday. I obviously knew it was a mouthful for, for people. Um, so I did the sort of yin and yang and came out with the Maduro version, which is called the Wiseman Maduro. That also got the number one consensus cigar. And then we ended up getting number three cigar of the year. By Cigar Aficionado for that, wow. for that cigar, which was a huge honor for me. Yeah. That's very cool. Read, yeah. So they gave us number three spot, which was, you know, I had been reading Cigar Aficionado since the early 90s. So, um, you know, at that time it was the only magazine. So it was really cool well, to and get to, that, that, and, that honor. And to be so early in the life of your company, too. Yeah. I think, you know, those guys really kind of saw my, my passion for tobacco and that. You know, I come from the tobacco side of the business, and, um, you know, I think it really hit as far as the kind of flavor profiles that they really like um, in Cigar Aficionado. You know, it wasn't overwhelming on the palate, nor a mild cigar by any means. A lot of dark espresso, you know, some good spice, but not overwhelming. So, um, yeah, huge honor to get that, that, that uh, number three spot. And, um, yeah, so then I expanded with, um, the tabernacle, which is the one you're smoking. Mm -hmm. That was my broadleaf, uh, tabernacle broadleaf, you know, having here in Connecticut, I, I launched the company and put our office on a 50 acre tobacco farm in the heart of the Connecticut river Valley. So Connecticut is a huge part of the company for me, probably not a smart decision as far as from a business sense because of taxes, as we were talking, <laughs> you know, this is why everybody's in Florida. Yeah. Um, but for me, you know, having lived in Nicaragua for so long, my family's all in Connecticut. So I want to have my corporate offices here. So I came out with the Tabernacle Broadleaf, which, um, you know, is my, my Broadleaf offering. And, uh, you know, it's definitely got a lot of rich tobaccos, um, that broadleaf I've been working with a lot of broadleaf farmers, um, for since probably about Oh four. Um, you know, Connecticut is just really unique in growing cigar tobacco. And I really wanted to display that, um, broadleaf, my love for broadleaf via the tabernacle. Then I came out with the tabernacle Cuban seed, which is the Havana seed, which I'm smoking. This is, Cuban seed that was brought to Connecticut in the 1870s. Okay. Um, so, yeah, totally different seed variety, totally different animal, um, but still it's, it's very unique. And it's one of the most difficult tobaccos, in my opinion, to grow and ferment. This is why you don't see it on a lot of cigars. Um, there's probably only two other companies that use it. Um, it's, a, 
it's really difficult to ferment. And it's really difficult to ferment because it's not as thick as broadleaf. Um, it's much thinner, but it has a tremendous amount of oil on the leaf. So there's a window of when the, the leaf is ready in fermentation, and that window is very small. So, so if you don't hit that window, it's too young. It's not burning properly. If you go past that window, the tobacco, you know, literally will disintegrate. You'll, you'll take wow. it too far. If you, if you ferment tobacco too, too much, you literally breaking down all the cellular walls on the leaf, and it will literally disintegrate on you uh, because there's nothing, nothing really left to it. So, yeah. you know, it's guys see me sometimes in front of pylones and whatnot, and they're like, "Oh, you got the best job." This, I say, man, you you don't know how stressful it is <laughs> to have hundreds of thousands of dollars of tobacco in fermentation and if you screw it up man there's no going back yeah i mean yeah you, you, you can't bring back time and you can't bring back the leaf well and um correct me if i'm wrong there's a there's a shortage of uh the connecticut broadleaf yes so yeah so i mean yeah. how's that impacting you or is it at all so yeah so not this past year but the year before last we experienced the highest rainfall in connecticut in 50 years so it didn't stop raining. So mm-hmm. this for broadleaf doesn't make for thicker, heavier leaf, right? If you have too much water saturation, um, you know, building up, you basically are, you know, screwed with the root system. And then the, the, the cellular walls of the leaf are going to be very thin. So we ended up getting what I needed, but the quantity was much smaller. Uh-huh. So... Yeah, so this is going to cause, you know, supply issues. So there's not going to be as many on the market. Um, So we're kind of reserved in how many new accounts we're opening up, um, you know, things like that. But this past year was good. Hopefully this year is going to be good. You know, we have this window in Connecticut from April, the seedbed start, and then we have until September. And what happens is in August, a lot of times you have so much uh, humidity build up, so you have a tremendous amount of thunderstorms in August usually. So we have to get through that time period. You have hailstorms sometimes, mm. things like that. The year before last, it just kept raining. Like I was looking at tobacco in the curing barns the week before Thanksgiving, wow. um, because when this tobacco was in the curing barns, we couldn't get the moisture down because it was just raining constantly. Um, so it definitely caused a lot of problems. And then you have a great demand for broadleaf in the mass market. That's really that, well, what's driving a lot of the, the we, demand is the mass heard market. That, that actually the machine made cigars are sucking up a lot of the broadleaf out of the, you know, kind of taking the air out of the room. Well, they always have, right? So backwoods, you guys are familiar with that brand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's always been Connecticut Broadleaf. And that cigar has driven the Broadleaf market a lot. It still does. Hmm. So when you have an issue like we had a couple of years ago, you know, it becomes extremely problematic. And then also the machine-made market has been growing in leaps and bounds due to the legalization of cannabis. Uh. So... This is kind of where all the, the FDA problem and everything stems from is because of the legalization of cannabis over the years, it's been 
t- driving the machine-made markets of the gas station, convenience stores, that category has expanded tenfold. You know, whereas the cigar market, we pretty much stay around the same right now. But that machine-made market has been going leaps and bounds. And the natural leaf market has been growing. So, you know, a lot of those machine-made cigars are made with homogenized tobacco, we call it, which is basically tobacco dust and paper. Yeah. You know, it's rolled out in huge rolls. The demand for that style has been diminishing greatly, and the market, uh, the blunt market, has been calling for natural leaf. So you have had a huge demand for natural leaf, and then if you tie in, you know, weather problems, you got a recipe for disaster. Um, and you know, now I see broadleaf being grown in more countries than I've ever seen in since I've been around. Hmm. Um, so everybody's trying to grow broadleaf nicaragua honduras you know dominican they got kentuckys everybody's trying to make up for the demand for the mass market so fortunately you know i have really good relationships with farmers um very much invested in the connecticut river valley i'm able to you know really get good supplies and and choice leaf so even for the broadleaf tabernacle and the uh cuban seed you know, I'm fortunate to have, have good connections. So very yeah. cool. So yeah. moving back to your line. So that's we yeah. talked about the, ca- so that, the tabernacle. So the other line I have is called Charter Oak. And Charter Oak is also my homage to Connecticut, right? So uh, like I said before, leading up to the end of the nineties, there was a tremendous amount of Connecticut cigar brands, a lot of which my grandfather smoked. They were always really great cigars. And they were always at a great value. You know, they were more of your cutting-the-lawn cigar, your everyday kind of cigar. Um, so I wanted to make something in, in to pay tribute and homage to those brands. So the Charter Oak is actually the symbol of Hartford, Connecticut, the capital of Connecticut, uh, which was an old uh, oak tree that was actually very prized by the indigenous here in Connecticut. But it was also where the colonists had hidden a charter from the English um, at one point to protect their rights oh, um, at, okay. from, from the British uh, colony at the time. So I said, you know, what a, what a perfect, uh, you know, brand image to, to really pay tribute to these old brands. So that, that was my, I wanted to make it at a great price. Um, that comes in both Connecticut Broadleaf and Connecticut Shade, 20 count boxes, I mean, they, they suggested retail on those sticks are between 4 and six, $6 for the 6 by 60 um, And we got uh, number one best value cigar by Cigar Aficionado for that cigar last year, which was great. Well, we got number three cigar and number one best value. Well, and I'm, I'm a value cigar guy because I do a lot of driving, and I'm, I'm usually smoking when I drive because I get bored. It's kind of something to do and kind of keep me in the game while I'm driving around. And the Charter sure. Oak is one of my favorite cigars. Say, say that again? I uh, lost the, you. The, you just want me to repeat it. The Charter, <laughs> yeah, I do. The I Charter do. Oak is one of my favorite cigars. I do the Shade oh, Grown. Oh, cool. Yep. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, great stick. Um, and, and like you said, it's, it's affordable for me. It's, you know, yeah. if, I, if I smoke four or five cigars in a day, I can't be smoking, you know, $9, 10 $12 cigars. I've got to kind of do my, my cost averaging 
and that's one of the sticks that uh, you know is very affordable for me to get, and it's an enjoyable smoke. Most definitely, definitely. most definitely. Yeah, it was. Um, you know that that smoke. You know, you might not get the depth and complexity that you might get, say, from the tabernacle you're smoking, but what you're getting is amazing, especially for the price point. I oh, mean, absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, another cigar in the line in my Rolls Royce is called High Clare Castle. Um, High Clare Castle. High Clare Castle is actually where they filmed the show Downton Abbey. It's actually the real Downton Abbey. Um, so the image of that castle is is High Clare. It's kind of an interesting, um, you know, story of how that came about. It was really um, through a friend of mine who uh, here in Connecticut was a moonshine distiller. So he had a, uh, a company here in Connecticut, and he was on vacation at the castle with his wife and happened to befriend the uh, Lord and Lady Carnarvon who live in the castle. And they started emailing and talking, and they had decided years ago that they should work on a project to make gin, which they're now releasing nationwide called High Clare Castle Gin. Hmm. That was in the plans about four years ago, um, which they, you know, the High Clare Estate is a 5,000-acre estate, and they're actually growing a lot of the ingredients um, on the estate. But during their conversation, cigars came up, because High Clare you know, the history of smoking cigars at High Clare goes back a couple hundred years. So, of course, my friend said, oh, you got to meet Nick. He lives in Nicaragua. He's a cigar maker. You know, you should meet him. Um, maybe we can we can make a cigar together. So this was just before one of our trade shows. I couldn't get to England. So Lord Carnarvon actually flew to Nicaragua to meet with me, which oh, was um, way cool. Way cool. You know, this is. This is the godson to the Queen of England, um, and for him to just you know come to Nicaragua was pretty awesome. You know, money money doesn't really impress me too much. It's not something that you know I'm I'm really impressed by flashy things. To me, it's it's really the quality of your character. So to meet him and have him come down to Nicaragua, it was amazing because we just hit it off. I mean, just a really down to earth gentleman. Um, if you see amongst my lines, you know, I love history. I love culture. Um, well, I was going to so, say, your, your yeah. cigars, like, th- there's so much history wrapped up in all of the different ones that you've talked about. And that, yeah. and I wanted to touch on that, but but you're kind of touching on it. So, go I, ahead. you know, and that's why High Clear fit in, you know. Uh, you know, of course, being a cigar geek myself, you know, sitting down with Lord Carnarvon and learning about all the cigars, you know, his great-grandfather discovered King Tut's tomb with cigar in, in hand. You know, it was very much a part of the history at the castle. Uh, if you look at the first Downton Abbey episode, the end of the episode after dinner, you retire and you, you have a cigar. Um, that was just, you know, a part of the custom there. So to learn about, and then he actually gave me access to some old receipts from the Partagas factory, from different tobacconists, you know, from the early 1900s. Um, You know, it just fit in for me. And I really wanted to have, you know, my Rolls Royce of the line also. And Highclere just fit in perfectly. Just a relationship. And then I blended a cigar for, for Lord Carnarvon. And we all did sort of a blind taste testing. And... We all chose the same one, and 
we said, you know, let's do it. So, um, again, if you, if you look at the portfolio of blends and brands, I wanted to have something for everybody, you know, working in a store, I, I say to myself, if I was only carrying foundation in my humidor, you have so many different customers that walk in that humid, that, that, that store that day. I wanted to be able to provide from blends to the brands to price points, something for everyone, right? So you have your Charter Oak for your everyday, and then we have our High Clear as our top end, and then you have everything in between. And then I also have an infused brand called the Upsetters. Um, which is really, um, something, you know, again, I wanted to have something for, you know, if you, if anybody that does events or anybody that owns a store, again, if somebody comes up and asks for, for an infused brand, I wanted to be able to have one to offer within our line. You know, that has a little bit of Jamaican tobacco. When I started in 1996, Jamaica was on top of cigar making. So the history of cigar making in Jamaica goes back before cannabis was ever on the island. So in 96, Macanudo was being made in the C. Fuentes factory, which was in um, the heart of Kingston. You had the Royal Jamaica factory, which was in an area 45 minutes west of Kingston called May Penn. Um, You had Temple Hall. You had a lot of amazing Jamaican brands. So when I was starting in the industry, I was really fond of Jamaican cigars. And then I also grew a great fondness for reggae music. Big, big fan of reggae music. Um, And what people don't realize also is Connecticut has the third largest population of Jamaicans in the United States. Really? And that is due to cigars. So Mm. in the 40s during World War II, there was still a huge demand for cigars during World War II. I actually have uh, letters from my grandfather requesting his Connecticut cigars. So there was no one to work the fields at the time. So they, uh, Connecticut went to Jamaica on a work program. And the Jamaican growing season was opposite of that of, of Connecticut. So you would have um, populations of Jamaicans that would come to Connecticut for harvest and to work the uh, Connecticut broadleaf and the Connecticut shade fields. And uh, yeah, that's the main reason why you have um, so many Jamaicans in Connecticut. So uh, a couple of my good friends in college were from Jamaica. So I was actually five years ago in Jamaica for Bob Marley's 70th birthday party. I happened to you know, be working uh, on my first brand. I was in Nicaragua. It was February. I was totally just stressing out and said, I need a break. I flew from Nicaragua to Kingston two days before Bob's birthday, just showed up at his house, and there happened to be a party uh, all day with his sons, and uh, it was a big deal in Jamaica. At the end of the evening, I saw a gentleman pull out a whole tobacco leaf out of his pocket, and he was blending something else to smoke. But of course... um, you know, I noticed the, the tobacco leaf and I said, you know, where'd you get that? What, I spent the next week uh, sourcing Jamaican tobacco and I end up shipping it. It's called cow tongue. And that's because of the shape of the leaf actually looks like a tongue. Um, it's a very mild, very smooth, creamy tobacco. It's un- incredibly mild. Um, 
So I said to myself, what a perfect, you know, tobacco to make an infused cigar with. Um, so we end up shipping that to Nicaragua and I made a brand called the Upsetters, which is the name of an old, um, producer called Lee Scratch Perry, who was one of Bob Marley's first, uh, producers. And he was, his first song when he went solo was called I Am The Upsetter. Nice. So, which was interesting because at the end of the sixties, early seventies, Jamaica was obsessed with spaghetti westerns from Italy. So if you look at a lot of the vinyl covers to a lot of these albums, they were all uh, spaghetti western type uh, movies and they were all smoking cigars. Huh. So I said, all right, that let's, let's do that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So I wanted to again, have another cigar, you know, to fit into, you know, uh, the portfolio that again, you can, find something within the foundation portfolio that sort of suits your palate. Interesting. And Interesting. price point. Yeah. Well, one of the aspects of your of your career in cigars that I'm that I want to touch on real briefly is uh is your time in retail because it it I I I guess maybe I'm making a generalization, but I don't know many manufacturers that also have retail experience. You know, yeah. so you're coming at it from a couple of different angles in that regard. And sure. so you understand the retail mindset. And I guess now that we're kind of coming, I don't want to say completely coming out of this whole COVID situation, but but for the most parts, a lot of states are opening up and things are kind of starting to, to, to come back into some sort of sense of normalcy. You know, retailers have obviously struggled. During this whole yeah. thing, I mean, everybody across the board has, but but retailers sure. have struggled during this. What are some things that, from your perspective as a manufacturer, but also with some retail experience, what are some things that you would recommend that retailers maybe consider doing or or embracing, or some things that maybe can change to to help uh, out that that yeah. side of things? I mean, I think you definitely have to take advantage of the social media aspect. You know, it's free. Yeah. And, you know, I started my company. A lot of it was driven on Instagram. I mean, if you look at the foundation's Instagram, we're at about not that also not that followers equals sales, because I think a lot of people kind of think sometimes likes equal sales. But, you know, we're, we're close to 20,000 followers and that grew out of nothing. And it's been really organic um, the growth, but it's an easy platform. It's been an easy platform for me. Um, just because you can also post to Twitter and Facebook, but you know, high quality photographs, um, and messaging I think is, is crucial, especially if you can get, you know, your local following and people, you know, to really kind of spread the word locally. So I think, um, social media is, is definitely key. And it's just kind of like fundamentals, man. Like fundamentals, I think, are crucial. And a lot of times they're looked over. Um, you know, customer service in the store, walking in to, with the humidor, you know, knowing every product that you have on your shelf, that environment is crucial, right? People are coming in to spend money. So a positive environment, a positive experience, so crucial. Um, you know, I, I'm in a lot of stores, so... I always notice the stores that really show uh, a really keen sense of customer service 
it just makes a huge difference. Um, and just little things like that, you know, um, you know, the, the store that I, I worked for, they ended up selling and then it was bought out by, um, a woman who then sold it to another gentleman. And I remember going into the shop, um, after being in Nicaragua for a while and I walked in the shop and the ashtrays were full you know, the humidor had, there was bugs in some of the, uh, the boxes. There ooh. was, you know, like porn mags all over the, I was like, what is going on? The guy sat behind the register and stared at his computer screen and he was busy doing whatever he was doing. And then I sort of went through the humidor, pulled out, you know, empty boxes, this and that, you know, and I ended up talking to the owner because the, the store was really dear to me. And, you know, I offered to help him and, and pointed out some of these issues and he didn't want to hear it, you know. Oh. And if you're not willing to hear stuff like that, I mean, again, that's just basics. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't mean to insult anybody's operations, it's their operations, but fundamentals, I think, are so crucial and sometimes overlooked a lot of the time. So creating that space is, is crucial, right? Because that's what people are going to the store to do is have that experience. Yeah. Um, I think also having some sort of online presence also, like being able to ship, being able to you know, do things like that for customers that can't get into the store. I don't think that's a bad idea mm. either. You know what I mean? Or maybe some sort of delivery delivery program or rewards program for, for those customers, you know, I think it's, it's crucial. It's a tough time, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, how has it all affected you? You know, um, the beginning was definitely, you know, business is definitely slower just by the nature of everything being shut down. Um, I'm really surprised at though, at how much business we've been doing and the past the past two weeks, it's really just come back to more normalcy for us. So, yeah, it's been back on the rise. I think now that more and more short, uh, shops are are opening up. But um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a, been a crazy time. You know, it's. Uh, let me let me ask you this. So one. yeah, what do you see as the biggest challenge moving forward for the industry as a whole? I mean, the biggest challenge, no doubt, is the FDA, which I don't think a lot of people kind of realize. And I don't think we've necessarily done really well as an industry to sort of make the stores and final consumers realize. Um, But in September, a lot of this legislative uh, regulations is going into place by the FDA. And... It's very frustrating because there's a lack of clarity from the FDA as to even what those regulations are going to be. And yet the date is set for September when you have to have all your applications in. Um, So as a whole, you know, that's definitely the biggest challenge. I mean, we are being lumped into vape and big tobacco and, you know, there's just no case to be made that children are smoking you know, in 2009, they came out with their whole thesis that they've seen an in- increased consumption of cigars amongst youth. And that is true. 
based on what I was saying before with the mass market and the legalization of cannabis, that market has been growing tremendously and we got sucked into that. But it's not true in that it's not, they're not smoking handmade cigars. And I think more than ever, people are, you know, within the government see that there is a difference. And I think that's why they haven't, they haven't done anything to date because the impact you would have on local business, you know, jobs, the growers, but not only that, you know, the impact you'd have on the Nicaraguan economy, the Honduran economy, Dominican economy. Precisely. I mean, there's no jobs to fill the market in Nicaragua. You know, where I live in Nicaragua, I mean, if there's no cigar market, there's no other market that's going to come in that's going to fulfill those jobs. So where are people going to go? Yeah, it's exactly. Go. The actions of the United States Congress impact the economies of multiple nations in, in one instance. Yeah. yeah. And then that caused an immigration problem. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, think about why we have an immigration problem. 71, we, we drove all of our jobs to China. Like, so we neglected the whole hemisphere of not only our country, but the hemisphere of job opportunity in factories. You know, there was tons of factories in the Caribbean, in Nicaragua, clothing factories. Everything went to China. Because everybody was trying to save, you know, it was just impossible to compete. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, of course we're going to have an immigration problem. People are looking for work. There's no, there's no work. So, you know, this is a great example of that, of, you know, destroying and regulating. The cigar market is going to cause a lot more potential immigration into the United States. Um, so there's a lot of factors, but that's definitely, this is the biggest, you know, I can deal with competition. I'm all for it, but having to deal with the government and you really have no control and they can literally, you know, put you out of business. It's, it's beyond frustrating. Well, and, and we just did an episode uh, a week or so back with Max Smoke Shop out in Palo Alto, California, and they passed an ordinance uh -huh. there that was technically I think aimed at vape, but it encompassed this 85-year-old cigar store that's looking to be shut down now because of that legislation that was passed. Yeah, so basically yeah. Pa Palo Alto was passing a flavor ban, and so yeah. it, it, it was aimed at vape, but it prevents uh, the folks at Max Smoke Shop, which is an 85-year-old smoke shop, from yeah. being able to uh, sell pipe tobacco infused cigars, you know, all ridiculous. that kind of fun stuff. And, um, Absolutely ridiculous. And they, and they flat out said, you know, we'll get rid of vape tomorrow, but you got to let us have the tobaccos. Yeah, the vape market really is gone after, you know, two big giants. And that is, think about, you know, Philip Morris, R.J. Reynolds, they pretty much eliminated all of their competition through regulation, mm -hmm. right? If you wanted to start a new cigarette brand, it's virtually impossible because you have to go through the FDA and the regulations, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. The late, the late 90s, they ended up making deals. The states ended up making deals with the big tobacco companies. You remember back in the 90s when people were suing big tobacco companies because yes. they were getting sick or whatnot? Yep. That stopped because they went to the states and said, you know, we, we can't keep doing this. You know, we're going to... So the state said, all right, you just pay us. Yeah. You know, think about how much tax is involved in a pack of cigarettes. So they made the deal with the states. Interestingly enough, New York and California spent all of the 
money in their coffers of tobacco-related cigarette taxes. So they're getting paid, big tobacco's getting paid, and all of a sudden you have this rogue industry called vape that is taking 4% market share from big tobacco every year, which is taking all of this tax revenue. So they start making acquisitions, you know, to get into it and this and that. But, you know, you got two giants that are up against them. So now they have to get it under regulation because, you know, they're just getting destroyed. So it's, uh, we unfortunately have gotten sort of tied into all of this madness. Well, hopefully we can make it through. Yeah. You know, step by step. It's, um, Unfortunately, you know, it's, it's very, it's very daunting as a business owner, but it has driven, you know, that's their whole goal is to not have our market grow. Um, and you know, if I would have stopped in this business, when I first heard this, I would have, you know, never gotten out of the nineties, you know, and (laughs) I know a lot of people that, that did, you know, that did stop or they stopped growing tobacco or they stopped because, you know, there is just so daunting, but, um, you know, I'm going until somebody tells me I can't go anymore. So there you go. Well, we're glad you didn't get out in the nineties. Absolutely. Yeah. So thanks. Well, is there anything that you want to tell our, our listeners that maybe we haven't touched on anything that you've got coming up that you want to want to introduce anything at all that you want to these people yeah, so a couple things. Um, I have the Wednesday five-year anniversario, which is going to be coming out in September. Okay. So I'm working on a really special size to you know really pay tribute to the Wednesday and our five-year anniversary. So definitely look out for that. Um, you might see a line expansion in our Charter Oak line and then also in our Tabernacle. So I'll probably be doing some a new wrapper in the Charter Oak line. Okay. Um, and then also a couple of unique sizes for a tabernacle. Um, I invite everybody to check out our seed to cigar video on YouTube. So I ended up doing a time-lapse video of the whole process from seeds in my hand right into the packaging of the cigars. Um, so if you type into YouTube, Seed to Cigar, it's pretty much one or two that comes up, or check out Foundation Cigars on YouTube. Um, we worked on it for over a year, but, you know, for me, being a cigar a cigar lover, um, it's, it's about a 10-minute kind of short film time-lapse through this whole process. So I think people would, would really enjoy that, especially because we have so much time on our hands now. But, yeah, if you haven't checked that out, check that out. And uh, foundationcigars.com, we just updated our website. Um, so you can really get a lot of information as to all of our, our portfolio and the brands and the blends. Um, so definitely check that out. Very cool. Very cool. Well, yeah. I'll tell you, I have greatly enjoyed this foundation. This, uh, this cigar is just incredible. The Tabernacle is I, I'm getting a lot of pepper now. I'm back in the back third. I think Nick's a little over halfway. I'm about halfway, yeah. yeah. What are you getting so, on it there? Yeah, I'm getting some pepper. There's some some uh, still a little sweetness, some earthiness. It's a good cigar. I like it a lot. And it's kicking cool. out a ton of smoke. And like I said, that the, that the burn, burn line, the, the construction, construction on yeah. this is amazing. So. Awesome. So, good to hear, guys. Real briefly before we say goodbye, I just want to uh, extend condolences on the passing of your grandfather. 
Thanks, man. Um, I appreciate that. You know, I I saw your your tribute on Instagram and and it was very touching and um Thanks, man. Yeah, we were we Yeah. Were, so. Yeah, he's a he's an amazing man, you know. So. World War II Marine, tough old Marine. Not but, many uh, of those guys left, you know. No. No, man. Yeah. He uh he was he actually made national news about 5 years ago. He he was the senior class president of his high school class. He lied to go to the war. He was 17, but they never had their senior prom. So five years ago, he organized their 70th anniversary of the senior prom, and he held the senior prom with all the surviving members of his class. So NBC National News, ABC National News. If you put in, like, World War II and prom, he he usually comes up. So you can – yeah, and they have a great interview with him for, like, a half an hour about Okinawa because he went – he – he fought on Okinawa, so yeah, wow. and I, I appreciate it, that. It, oh, it's awesome. it, it's it's weird timing because I've just sat down and started watching the Pacific. Um, oh, wow. Tom Hanks produced. I don't know if yeah. you've seen that or not. And you know, it's in the Battle of Guadalcanal, and I mean, what these guys went through was just unbelievable. We have no idea the sacrifices they made. Yeah, no, it's kind of hard to comprehend, man. I mean, and just the fact that you know. He never complained or never. He was just always positive, and he saw some crazy stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, just uh, beyond my comprehension. Wow. Uh, well, and again, yeah. you, have our, you have our condolences there. Yes. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Well, and we really want to thank you for taking time out of your day to talk to us. I know you've been... My pleasure, guys. You know, getting some calls, so you're a busy guy and everything, so it was... You know, uh, never stops. Never, never stops. Never does, so... But seriously, it's uh, a good problem to have. We really appreciate yes, it. Sir. And if you uh, you ever need anything from us, you know how to reach out and touch me. Same here, guys. Yep. Same here. Nick right. always asks everyone to reach out and touch him. It's kind of disturbing. It. It's not, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't you don't have to always go there, Jeff. So <laughs> anyway, well, thank you very much, Nick. We really appreciate it. Thanks, brother. All right, guys. Be hey. safe. Well, we really want to thank Nick uh, Nick Melillo for coming on. That was awesome. He had some I great mean, stories, dude. The guy. Here's the thing. He has so much knowledge. Yeah. History, uh, tobacco. Just, I mean, he's a smart, smart man. Well, and he he's he's forgotten more than I'll ever learn. And I'll tell you, we didn't get into it this time because I mean, the he he was, you know, we were already kind of coming up on his time uh, time constraint and everything, but. I want to I want to bring him back at some point to talk about what all goes into starting a cigar company fresh. Yeah. And I mean cuz cuz you know, he started this thing 5 years ago. He's gotten he's gone a long way in only 5 years. He knows the pitfalls, he knows what to do. And, yeah. Well, and and the thing is, I mean like to grow to the extent that he's grown in only five years, I it's mean, amazing. It is amazing. It's impressive. So I wanna, I wanna talk to him at some point about what all's going. And, into and that. I wasn't stroking him there on the Charter Oak. I like that cigar. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, that's a good stick. And I'll tell you, this foundation. I know we haven't talked about it a ton. You know, because we had a, a good flow of the interview going. Yeah, this is a good cigar. It's it's a little stronger. Than I would normally, you know, pick up and go with, but I really like this stick. Yeah, it's a it's a quality stick. It's um, it it is kind of heavy. Yeah. Like he said, you know, it's a it's a heavier smoke, um, but at the same time, like it's flavorful. Like you said, you know, you're getting the pepper. You're getting. I'm getting a little er- just a little earthiness. Yep. There's some sweetness. 
Um, I, I like those those opposing flavors kind of coming together. I mean, it, it's blended really well. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I'm digging it, man. I'm digging it a lot. So, why don't we get into some Ask the Boys? Let's do it. question and by the way folks we need your questions for this segment so i say it all the time make sure you send us your questions either through direct message on instagram or you can reach out to us through the ask the pulpit page on cigarpulpit.com and there is no stupid question there is no stupid question by god we'll take them all so like a a girl at the frat party our first question actually comes (laughs) from uh from bjorn tickled myself comes from bjorn in sweden i love bjorn bjorn wants to know in Europe, we talk about the classic brands, Cohiba, Monte Cristo, Romeo and Julieta, and so on. And it's always the Cuban cigars we're talking about. The word on the street, he has in quotes, in Europe, is that since Cuban items were banned in the States, it was impossible to protect the names of the Cuban brands in the States. And that, quote, someone came up with branding completely different uh, cigars as Cohiba, Monte, and so on. The totally different logos and color schemes suggest there isn't connection between the uh, the two other than the name. And now to his question. He wants to know, is that the case or is there a connection between Cuban Cohiba and non-Cuban Cohiba? And then he has a follow-up question that if there is no connection, what would happen if it all opened up and Cubans could free- freely be sold in the States? Would they, meaning the Cuban ones, have to change their names as someone else owns those names in the States? Well, that is a good question that, that I do not know the answer very to. Very <laughs> complicated question. Yeah. Technically, there are different companies. Uh, General Cigar and Altidus um, own some of the brands here in the States, although Altidus um, obviously just did their sale. And, you know, now there's new companies that are going to be buying the both the Cuban side and the uh, the American side. They are technically different. How, so, so yes, they are different here in the States versus the rest of the, the world. In terms of how it impacts the Cuban cigars when and if Hopefully. Cuban cigars can be sold in the States, boy, that's a good question. And I'll be honest, it's for someone... You know what I should have done? I should have asked Nick while he was on the call because... I bet he actually probably would have known. He probably the was the one this. person that would know this. Uh, answer, of the three yeah. of us today, yeah, he probably would have known that. But I'll be honest, I don't know. I'm probably Bjorn. As much as I hate to say it, you gave us a legitimate, honest question, and rather than give you some BS answer, I think I'm going to have to probably put this, put a pin in this, and uh, well, and this and may be a good back thing. to this question. This later. may be a good thing for our listeners. We may have listeners that know exactly what we're talking about here and can fill us in. Yeah. So, but so I, please reach out to us. Yeah. I mean, let us know. If you've, Absolutely. If, if you've got the answer, let us know. Otherwise, I'll reach out to a f- few folks and uh, see if I can get an answer for you. Yep. So, that was a great question. That was a good question. So that our, I've never thought about until now, and it's like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, because technically, you know what? Are you going to have... You know, Cohiba America and Cohiba versus Cohiba Cuba. Yeah. I mean, like, how are you going to do that? Like spy so. versus spy, Cohiba versus Precisely. Cohiba. Yeah. So, and then regular listener Barbells and Beers sent us another load of questions. Um, Thank you for which those. I totally appreciate. I, he sends like ten questions at a time, which is great because 
you know, it, I can space them out and, exactly. and, you know, go through them that way. No, so, we appreciate the input. Yeah. So. I mean, Nick doesn't as much, but I do. I, I love the, I literally just got done saying that I love the input. <laughs> so anyway. I um, love to trigger you. So we'll, we'll pick a few of these. Let's so, go for it. Uh, his first question, favorite cigar destination slash vacation? Cuba. That's where I want to go. That's my bucket list. Boy, I just, I don't know. I want to go to Cuba. I, I, I would like to go. Here's the thing. I would like to go a lot of places. I would like to go to Honduras. I'd like to go to Nicaragua, the Dominican, Cuba, all you know, all of them. As we've kind of touched on earlier, I don't know if it was on or off the cast, you know, I don't, I don't really particularly like putting myself into dangerous situations. I want to go to Cuba, and I'm not saying that any of those na- that any of those farms or any of those places are dangerous situations. Gringo. But you know, there's a certain level of instability that goes into South America that I just don't know if I'm personally as comfortable with putting myself in that situation. You know, and so fuck up, little camper. Let's go down there. So you know. I'll also say I've never done any of these. Okay, I've once. never never gone any of these. You live once, Nick. Do it. I could Let's say I could say. Well, I'm not saying I wouldn't ever do it, but I would say at least to start with. Yeah, I would like to go to um, a couple different places. One of them actually just popped on the list today. I'd like to go to Connecticut and see yeah see the uh, Connecticut fields and and foundations place because my my. Uh, stepmother, her family is from you know Oxford, Connecticut. So yeah. I've been up there before. I've just, but I was little and I didn't pay any attention. And Lord knows if we actually went by anything. But it'd be neat to get up that way. It would. Um, but then Tampa, I'd love to go down to Florida and visit uh, Tampa, Ybor City. I'm more of a big fan of uh, you know. The, the whole Tampa area, I mean, St. Petersburg, I love that area. Ybor City would be amazing to visit because, dude, that's like the, the cigar capital of the United States. There's so many just little independent Let's go. shops and everything there that are rolling their own. They're just making enough for themselves. What's stopping us? And, well, up Nothing. until now, COVID, but I'll be honest, you know, we could probably get some pretty cheap airline probably tickets at this point. So it's just a matter of what's open. But, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to make it down to Florida and and see some of those going out of the country that's a whole different experience and and something that maybe someday yes i would like to do but but for right now i think i'm perfectly fine just saying that i'd be happy with going to florida i want to go to cuba so okay. there that okay. i have i established that i think you have firmly established that it is it is on my bucket list i want to go to cuba his next question is what is the best cigar you've smoked this year Oh, we are technically in the very beginning of June, so we are rapidly approaching the midway point of this year. And, um, you know, so it's one of those things where we could uh, maybe coming up do a mid-year, you know, uh, review of what we've smoked and what we've had. You know, best cigar I've had this year. It's a good question. Um, I've smoked a lot of good cigars this year, mainly because of the podcast. It's branched me out. Yeah. Aladino did just come out with their uh, Cameroon. Um, well, that was a good stick. Yeah, it's a JRE uh, stick, so it's JRE Aladino. I don't know if you noticed. Cameroon. I smoked one of those last night. And uh, Yeah, I know. You called yeah. me and verified it. The, in. <laughs> verified that JRE made it, and I'm just like, yes, they made that. Yep. So, um, 
It's a that that's a really good cigar. Yeah. And then I don't know. I'll tell you the cigar I'm most looking forward to smoking this year. The Nick and Gator is is ours. Ours our from cigars. Martinez. Yeah. yeah. Um. I was just talking to Dave last night. And he was telling I'm me Jonesen. that he was telling me that hopefully in the next two to three weeks I'll have uh, blend sticks oh. in the mail for us to try. Well, so, and you know, like so I said, hopefully here soon we're going to start t- tasting some blends. You know, and I go back to the 1974 with uh, you know Manuel Casada. But you technically had that last year. I did, I did. But it's that's a good. But it's it's cigars we've smoked this year, not new to us this year necessarily. Mm-hmm. Is the way I'm interpreting the question. But you know, that's a good stick. The forty-five. I know. You know. I. I know. I sound like I'm kissing Martinez's butt here, but by God, it's a good cigar. Yeah, the Ashton ESG. I had that recently. Uh, maybe yep. in the last couple of months, that was a really good cigar. A um, little on the pricey side. It's about a twenty-five dollars stick, but it was it was a really nice, smooth cigar. So yep. I liked that a lot. I don't know. It's I, dude. I smoke so many damn cigars. It's kind of hard. I really should. Start keeping you a, were doing a track that for a while. Keep a journal or keeping track. You did that for a while. Did that I, go by the wayside? Well, I had. I never did the book. I, I had, had a, the app. I had an app, yep. and I'll be honest, the app was. It's okay. Um, I my problem is remembering to actually enter it in. My problem is I'll smoke a great cigar. I'll love it, and then, like you said, you smoke five or ten, you know, twenty different cigars, and I should. I should keep a list. To know what to circle back to. Yeah, I really should be keeping better track of. Yeah. Now what, we could go back and listen to our you know close to a hundred podcasts. Yeah, I and, know, right? You know, get a little get a little perspective there. But, yeah, yeah. But you know, um, but we encourage you to go back and listen to them, exactly. folks. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, I hate to say this, I do circle back and re-listen to our podcast now and then. Well, that's nice. I listened. Um, I don't know if you were aware of this, but you can actually pull up the cigar pulpit on your Alexa. And listen to it. And I did that the other night, and it took me back to the inaugural episode. And I listened to that, and how much that what we do has changed since that first episode. It, it was really striking well, to me. Going to, I mean, we get a little more um, comfortable, comfortable, I guess, is grown, a way of doing evolved. This. Yeah. yeah. So, boy, he's got a lot of other questions, but I'm picking through trying to find one that you know I'd like to touch on here for right now. All right, I've got two of them. I'm gonna gonna hit on here, okay. and then then we'll then we'll move on with the show here. So, um, what is the last horror movie you saw? Uh, you know what? The it's not the last horror movie I saw, but dude, it still bothers me. Heredity or uh, Hereditary is that the name of it? Is that the one that you and I went and saw in the theater? Yeah, yeah. That's oh not God. the last. Oh gosh, that was a little while ago that we went and saw that. But yeah, that movie. Boy, talk about a movie that started off slow. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sitting there kind of bored. I mean, I'm like sitting there. I'm just like, that didn't last long. dull. And then one thing happened in that movie, and I don't want to want to spoil it for anybody. But one thing happened. And trust me, folks, you'll know precisely the moment that it happens. And you will know exactly the moment I'm talking about. And when it happens, that movie just does a complete 180. And it's just it just gets disturbing as hell. The whole rest of the thing. That movie, by the way, was. The way they advertised that movie was not the movie. No. It was not the the preview, the premiere that I saw or whatever you'd call it, the ad for it. That was not the movie. Mm -hmm. That was just to get you to go to the movie. And then the movie just effed you up. And I, again, speaking of movies that I, I, you know, I wouldn't qualify this as a horror movie, but I did just watch The Meg the other night. (laughs) 
Um, basically, it was Jason Statham fighting a gigantic shark. As one does. And um, it was a popcorn movie. It was definitely a kind of silly summer popcorn movie. But uh, it, was, it was good. I, I was entertained. Yeah. I mean, I watched it. I, I was entertained. I was committed to the story. So, like, when things happened, I would, you know, jump or something like that. You know, I mean, it was, I'm a jumpy individual. You know, anyway, the other but, horror, horror movie but, recently that was really jacked up was Us. See, I didn't see that. Oh, dude. I know you went and saw it. I, I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah, it's, it's I didn't weird. really have an interest. It's weird. Yeah. Um, I, I would recommend it. You know, you had to kind of shed, you know, you, you kind of had to go into the realm of disbelief for a here's while. Here's the problem. The fact that there's so many articles out there talking about what does the ending of us mean tells me that it was clear as mud. <laughs> you know? That it's well, one I don't of, know. If you, gotta, if you have to have articles after the fact telling you what the movie meant, that's when I start to question whether or not it was a good movie. I think it left it very open for us, too. Well, of course. Yeah. Very open for us, too. Yeah. A Quiet Place. I saw that. I haven't seen the sequel. I don't think the sequel actually came out. Bird I think, Box was good. I think the sequel got pushed back because of COVID. Yeah. Um, but uh, the first one... The first one was good. There were there were asp- the the quietness of it was unsettling. Yeah, what's yeah. The, I don't what, know. What's the one? I'm not a big horror movie guy. I don't. No, really, Nick scared shitless. I don't see a lot of horror movies just because. Quite frankly, I don't like cheap jumps. You know, I don't like a, a movie that it's a horror movie because there's a guy with a knife behind the door. You know, and I don't get get into that. Nick's I, always worried there actually is a guy behind the. Door with a knife. Well, no, I the ones that I like are typically the ones that really make you think, like holy crap. Yeah, and but those are the ones that haunt me for a long time, and I tend to not put myself in that situation because I don't want to be haunted for a long time. What was the one with John Goodman down in the bunker? That was that second Cloverfield movie. Yes, yeah, that I didn't see that either. It, the, the and I haven't thing, seen the third one that came out on Netflix. I haven't seen that either. The funny thing about the Cloverfield is it's two distinct movies jammed together. There's the first where, you know, the the girl wakes up and she's had the wreck and she's in the bunker and she's chained up and all that. And then it just, and spoiler alert, so turn this down for the next 30 seconds if you haven't seen it and you're going to. But then all of a sudden she breaks out of the bunker and you think, oh my God, she's, you know, she's saved. And then she realizes, oh, wait, everything he said was real and aliens have taken over the planet. It's really jacked up. Well, there you go. Yeah. So those those are some of the ones that I've seen recently. All right. Well, I like I said, I'm not much into horror, so I don't see a lot of horror movies. But, you know, some people got eaten by a shark in the Meg, so I guess well, maybe that kind of counts. I guess. We're going we're gonna to end on that question? Uh, no, we got one more question. Okay. And he wants to know, would you rather be four feet tall or seven feet tall? Seven. 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 Yeah. That's, that's, that's easy. I don't like the navel gaze. <laughs> Especially other people's navels. Oh, God. Yeah, seven. I, yeah. Uh, that's not much, of a, not much of a choice for me. But you don't have to stay as distant with the uh, COVID if you're shorter. We covered that earlier. We did in cover podcast, that in yeah. our earlier podcast. Yes, that's true. <laughs> So your spray zone is diminished. Oh Lord! So folks, send us your questions for Ask the Boys either through Instagram at the Cigar Pulpit or at Naked Gator, any K K I D Gator. That is my page. Or you can go to the Contact the Pulpit page on our website, CigarPulpit.com.
where else can they reach out to us on the socials there, buddy? So we are on the <laughs> socials at, as I just said, Instagram, The Cigar Pulpit, and at Naked Gator, N-E-K-K-I-D Gator. And then we're also on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and CigarPulpit.com. Yes. All the socials. And since it is Tuesday... Oh my God, it's a giveaway. It means it is now time for the Martinez Cigars Weekly Giveaway. Yay. And you can sign up for entry into our contest just by signing up for our uh, free newsletter on CigarPulpit.com. We'll eventually make another one. At some point, you know. I can't say too much because I'm not doing it. I was going to so say, you really don't do jack too crap, hard. so no. maybe you ought to just lay off. I'm, but just, anyway. I'm just here <laughs> for the entertainment value. So, I mean, I fi- <laughs> hey, you know what? I what can, little there is. Hey, I could make it a quarterly newsletter. The last one I sent out was in March. Damn I mean, straight. you know, we could do April, May, June. So as long as I get one out before the end of June, it could easily be a quarterly newsletter. Or, or bi-monthly, or bi-yearly. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's when I have something to say and there i hasn't, don't there hasn't, i don't been a want lockdown. i don't want to blow up people's inboxes needlessly exactly now yes. I, i'm gonna sell the list if i ever get it you're never gonna get the list okay. so anyway this week's winner will receive a nice prize pack from martinez cigars you're gonna like these a variety of sticks from their line and uh for those folks who have won in the past couple of weeks uh i did just get some uh sticks from martinez cigars sent to me i've been i've been Quite frankly, folks, there's been a little bit of a slowdown on the prize packs only because the rollers in New York City were unable to get in yep. to the uh, to the factory and start rolling. And so they've been having to worry about their inventory level because I'm going to give a little behind the scenes information here. Um, they, they typically, right before Christmas, they'll ramp up, they'll make a bunch of cigars, and then following Christmas... That's when the rollers and everybody there will take, you know, holiday breaks. Yeah. And they'll come back right around March and start and and that inventory that they made prior to Christmas will hold them steady until March when everybody comes back. Well, what happened in March? COVID, COVID. hit. And now all of a sudden these guys are out of the factory, unable to roll and everything like that. So well, and not to mention you know, there's a lot going on in New York right now, too. Precisely. Yeah, so, so Martinez, there have been lots of distractions. So Martinez has been kind of, uh, they've, they've, they've been fine with their inventory and everything, but they've been kind of like burning through what they had. Yeah. And so it was getting, eh, it was getting a little low. I mean, I don't think they ever worried about anything, but it not was danger close, not but danger yeah. close yeah. Or, or actually running out of anything, but it did get very, very close. And so, um, they were just a little behind getting me some prize packs. I did just get a big shipment of the prize packs um, the other day. And so for the folks that um, have won in, I believe, the past, like, three weeks, I They're will on be, the way. Uh, they, they, yes, they actually should be in the mail by now. So if you uh, if you get this or if you hear this and you've won in the past couple of weeks and you haven't gotten your sticks yet, I apologize, but they are on their way. So... With that being said. With that being said, Andy Douglas. Andy Douglas. Andy Douglas. You need to reach out to me before Monday and just shoot me an email at nick, N-I-C-K, at cigarpulpit.com. Just subject line, I'm the winner. Tell me your mailing address, and I will be more than glad to get a nice Martinez prize pack shipped your way so you can enjoy these cigars. Rock on. Yep. So Good stuff. Yeah. Well, Nick, it's been fun today. We still have to talk about my monthly cigars. 
Well, let's do that. It's a premium cigar subscription service. It is. Where you can get cigars sent straight to your home every, uh, we just every had, month. We just had our unboxing of the June box we uh, did on just, Friday. We did just unbox the June box on Friday with uh, Nick Gervais. He's going to start coming on the first uh, Friday of every month as we unbox these cigars. And so you can get your own box of cigars sent to you every month. We get the Robusto box, which is four cigars for $30. If you get that, you can smoke along with us on the Friday episodes because all the cigars and that we smoke on the Friday are. episodes, yeah, come we've out got, of that we've box. We've got friends so, that are doing that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's a great thing. And it's a great value, too, because Nick has that MSRP guarantee to where all the sticks in the cigar, the value of those sticks is going to be, yeah. be guaranteed to um, to – uh, meet or exceed the price of the box. So, like, I know for May it was like a forty-seven, forty-eight dollar bonus value. Yeah. You know, for thirty-eight bucks, I can't remember the MSRP for June off the top of my head. I'd have to go back and look, but you know, it, it was definitely a, a value. And then they also offer the Presidente box, which is eight cigars for fifty dollars. So that's it. You get two of everything that's in the Robusto box. So it's a good one. Like if you're smoking with your dad or your buddy or friend or, or you know, brother or something like that, you can you can each sit and smoke the same cigar and, and talk with about that, it. With that bonus stick for uh, May, it was easily a $100 box. Easily. 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 Yeah. So head on over to MyMonthlyCigars.com. Use offer code PULPIT, P-U-L-P-I-T, and that will get you free shipping on your first box or it'll get you 20% off any of the items in their online store because they uh, do have the online store where, let's say, you like one of the cigars that's in the box. And you can't find it at your local brick and mortar. You can yep. very easily order some through their online store, but they also have some other accessories and you know, that kind of stuff that you can buy. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Nick, it's been fun. It's been a great day. It was supposed to be all stormy, and we were worried about that doing the recording, and it's a blue sky with gentle, gentle white clouds. I mean, it's just nice out. Now... Jeff, you're forgetting something. I always forget stuff. You do. And in all fairness, I kind of forgot it as well. Oh, what? But we do need to circle around to our, uh, well, my favorite segment. He's here? Yeah. He's been sitting out front waiting. <sighs> Why didn't he just come back and sit with us? Because, you know, he he just wants to. Okay. He wants to, you know. We'll text be... him and tell him to get up here. All right. All right. So. Um. Hey, Larry. All right. Did you just yell? Yeah, he just. I thought you were gonna text. He's him. right around the corner. I don't need to text him. I mean, he's oh, just right there. there. So, all right. So it is now time, real quick, before we uh, conclude this uh, episode of the Scar Pulpit, to hear from my friend Larry the Mute. How you doing, Larry? He's settling in. So. Um, Larry is here today to review the, uh, now for those of you who aren't aware, Larry likes to review the, uh, the gas station machine made, you know, the cheapy timely since we were talking about that for a dollar cigars, you know, these are the stuff that, you know, Jeff and I just, we don't want to smoke them and talk about them. So we like to offer, we offer a review of them for those that enjoy it. I like a Um, peach swisher now and then. There you go. So we do like to offer something across for for all spectrum all spectrum the whole spectrum so today larry has something a little special he's going to be smoking the king edward imperial had it it's apparently a very favorite cigar for those folks over in england i've actually had that yeah so there you go anyway it's uh the king edward imperial and he's gonna be smoking that so larry why don't you go ahead and tell us your thoughts on the king edward imperial 
why? Why what? Just why? The man is trying to express his thoughts, and you're interrupting and being rude. Why do you do this every single week? It's an uh, it's an audio podcast. Jeff, he wants to participate. <sighs> He's sharing information that you and I don't want to share. How do we not get just complaints? let this go? So let How this do we go. Not get complaints. You know, at some point, um, Barnaby. I mean, Larry, I love you. Gonna circle back with uh, with Larry because those two evidently have beef. They do, so, and I don't understand it. I don't know. So yeah. Anyway, bad blood. All right. Well, Larry, thank you. I it it kind of a waste of your time again. Jeff, at some point, is going to start to be a gracious host. I don't know when. So oh, it's so stupid. Anyway, it's just so stupid. All right. <sighs> We couldn't have just ended a minute or two ago. I mean, we would have really wasted Larry's time at that point. Yeah, he drives like two and a half hours to get here. Yeah, and then you treat Why? him like garbage. Why do you make him drive two and a half hours for this? I don't make this? him drive. You treat him like garbage. He's perfectly fine coming up and hanging out and smoking with us. You're the one that treats him like garbage. He could have sat with us the whole episode. He might have had some input. He, maybe. Don't know. He doesn't have to stay in his car out front. Well, you know, you've treated him like garbage so much that he feels as though you don't like him. And he doesn't, and so you know, whatever. So stupid. anyway, whatever. All right. <laughs> Fine. Do you have anything else to contribute? Or are we done? Oh, I, I'm done. Okay. Yeah, I'm done. I'm okay. all, I'm, I'm all, all right. in. All right. Well, you know what? On that contentious note, <laughs> this is another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. Again, we want to thank Nick Malillo. And we wonder why Nick Malillo's never listened. I'm just saying. I mean, busy man. He's got things to do. So. He was he was awesome. I really, I can't wait to go back and actually listen to this again. Um, there was so much detail that he gave, and his knowledge of cigars and tobacco is just mind-boggling. There you go. Yeah. Like I said earlier, he's he's forgot more than I'll ever learn. That, that's true. Yeah. So. All right. Well, <laughs> with that, this has been another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. The look. Just the look I got. I'm Nick. I'm Gator. Stay safe and stay smoky, everyone. Love you guys. <laughs>